Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I just cannot tell you, man, how excited I am to be here today. Uh, I have been so excited, looking forward to this. Um, and I'm just so thankful and grateful and, and honored to be here. Um, me and Matt, man, we, I can share so many stories. I could just sit here and honor this man for my entire time speaking. And I'll probably still have more time that I'll need to go just because he's so near and dear. Both him and, and Jackie are just so near and dear to my life. Um, I actually, we didn't meet each other B.C. We didn't meet each other before Christ. And uh, I share with first service, it's probably a, it's probably a good thing because I think we're so similar. We probably just wouldn't have liked each other. In fact, he told me one time, I just got out of school and I uh, came up to the car. He was in the car. This is a trippy thing. We actually hung out with the same group of people. Not just that, he used to live at the house that I went to all the time, and I'd never seen him. Never even seen him. And there was one time, actually, I got out of school, out of high school, and I came up to the car, and I'm like, what's up, y'all? Because I knew the guys that were driving. And then he sit in the back. He told me afterwards, he was looking at me like, who's this fool, right? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that's, just, that's just how we were. We were just prideful young men. And, and, and I, I thank God that he, 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 like, guarded that season. And so I didn't know him before Christ, but I did know him BJ. That's before Jackie. Amen. I, I, I knew him before Jackie. I saw the whole process of him just falling in love with Jackie. And, and it was just it was just amazing. Them falling in love together, it's just been an awesome thing. In fact, I remember one time I was on the phone with him, and, and he told me it was official. Like, nowadays it's like Facebook official, right? It's not official. It's not real unless you put it on Facebook. So this was, he called me on the phone. He said, bro, we're together. It's official. And I remember hanging up the phone, and I got a little emotional because I'm like, man, now our relationship's going to change. And it did a little bit. But I'm so proud of him, and I'm so thankful for, for Jackie and, and for him. And, and I'm just so proud of him. I'm so proud of what's going on here at the fountain. And the, the, the 9 o'clock, 9.30 o'clock service was pretty excited. But how you doing in 11? You guys awake? Amen. 11 o'clock service? Yes. Y'all slept in? Y'all like those crazy folks that wake up hecker early? We don't like those people. We're just, you know, I like to sleep in. I'm just... I like it, right? But, um, man, I'm just so thankful. And, again, like, like, like Pastor Matt said, we did meet uh, at a young age. And, actually, I have a picture for us to, to take a real quick look at. <laughs> they didn't do what I asked. I asked them to make it slimmer. All right, you didn't do that. It's still super wide. But this is, this is your pastor and me. <laughs> So three things I want to point out. First off, yes, I am wearing hoop earrings. <laughs> All right, those are no longer here. Uh, we're both doing the duck face, but um, he looks like he wants to beat somebody up. And, but, but, but the last thing I want to point out is the fact that this is one of those little photo booths. <laughs> and uh, you see, listen, listen. We were just like, just, we, we was cool. We were cool. I mean, we, we, we hung out with the boys, like we, you know, we, we're in a photo booth, y'all. And so, took the pictures, and we had to do one of these. And it was at Southland Mall, so you know, there's people there, so stepped out and had to look around real quick. Oh, man, all right, cool, we're good. <laughs> we took the picture, and we left. 
But, oh, man, this is where we started. And we didn't know how to live life as a Christian. In fact, one of our, my very first memories and probably one of my favorite is we just decided, hey, let's go hang out. And so all we did was we grabbed the Bible and we went to the marina in San Leandro. And we just parked facing the water and we're like, what do we do? <laughs> we're not going to go to the club. We're not going to go party. We're not trying to go pick up, you know. We're not going to smoke. Like, what do we do? And so we just opened up the word in this little Ford Escort hatchback. And, uh, and we just started reading the Bible. You see, because it was totally different. We knew how to live the other life. We got saved and we had to completely figure out how do we live this brand new life. And, and, and I, I praise God for him because him and I, we were just glued at the hip. It was one of those things where if you saw him, where's James? If you saw me, where, where's Matt? We were just always, and, and, and God had to be that way because now look, like we're here doing this. And, and, and direction flows through relationship, folks. Direction flows through relationship. That's why the Bible says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. It's because if you have your friends, you know, what's the saying that they say, you know, birds that flock together, stay, something like that. Birds of the feather flock together. And so the people that you spend time with are going to help direct your path. And so called in a ministry. I am uh, one of the pastors at Faith Fellowship, but I'm only there because of this man. I'm telling you. It's, it's just, and God, of course. Right? But, I mean, this, this is just such an honor, and I'm so thankful to the both of you guys uh, for allowing my wife and my family and I to be here. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And as I always do, whenever I'm Getting ready to speak, I always want to ask the Lord for confirmation. Like, Lord, is this really what you want me to say? Because if it's not, then it's just going to be horrible. And I'm going to, it's just not going to be good. And so, Lord, is this, what is, what is the direction, Lord? Give me confirmation that this is exactly what you want for me uh, to, to share with your people at the fountain, 11 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. And, and so I did what, what all spiritual people do. I jumped on Facebook real quick, and I started scanning. And as I started scanning through Facebook... I see Pastor Matt up on stage with this acronym called STUCK. And he went into this, this series of the hidden way, the hidden way of faith. And I said, all right, Lord, got it. It's exactly, it's exactly the confirmation I needed. You see, because my message today is not difficult, church. It's not going to be hard, not rocket science. But I believe that we have to be faithful stewards standing up here equipping the people of God to be effective in the world. I mean, that's why, that's why you don't have, uh, that's why you have something called boot camp. If you go into the service, you have something called boot camp. Why? Because you can't put civilians on the battlefield. You can't do it. You know why? Because you guys are scared of spiders. <laughs> Better yet, somebody pointing and shooting a gun at you. We're scared of spiders and mouses and rats. And so put somebody, put a minefield and say, we got to get through there. Most of us are like, nope, <laughs> I'm going home. So because we're civilians. And so boot camp and training is all necessary for us to completely change our mindset to become warriors. And so it's important for us to be able to equip you to be warriors or else you're going to be that one that the enemy just snipes off because you're off on your own or doing something else. And so we want to be able to equip you to be people that are standing for your faith and living the right way. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
going to read in verse 10. It says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? Not the root of all evil, but all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and as a result, therefore, have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, Timothy, this is Paul speaking, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And he says, young pastor, young man, I'm speaking to you as a man of authority, a man that's been through a lot. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. He, before this, he starts talking about arguments and dissensions and all these different issues that go on in, in the life of people. And he says, flee from all this love of money as well as everything else I just went over. Pursue love, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, endurance, gentleness. And he said, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. Now, there's two ways that we can look at this, this passage. The first way is that you fight with your faith. How many of you know that's very important? We have this faith that God's deposited on the inside of us, and we utilize it to be victorious over temptation, over things like sin, over things like unrighteousness, all this. We utilize our faith to be victorious in this life. Amen? So we use our faith as a weapon, so to say, as a means of being victorious in this life. That's one way you look at this passage. The other way you want to look at this passage is you fight to keep, you fight to maintain, and you fight to preserve your faith. There is a fight, church, to keep, to maintain, and to preserve and to mature in your faith. And the reason it's a fight is because there's an enemy on the other side fighting against you maintaining, maturing, keeping, and preserving your faith. That's why it's a fight. There's somebody on the other side saying, that's what you need, that's what you want, and that's what I'm trying to take. That's why it's a fight. And I want to focus on that side this morning. I want to focus on fighting to keep and to preserve your faith. And I'm talking about real faith. I'm talking about real life-saving faith. I'm not talking about this flimsy kind of faith where it's all, it's all proclamation and not demonstration, right? Pastor Matt has all these great sayings. I had to just say one, at least. <laughs> it's not all about proclamation. It's also about demonstration. I'm not talking about this flimsy faith that at the end of your days, you face Jesus and Jesus looks back at you and says, I, I don't know you. I'm not talking about that flimsy faith. I'm not talking about the flimsy faith that demons have and the Bible says they shudder. I'm talking about a saving kind of faith that takes you from where you're at, puts your feet on a solid rock, and you give everything to Jesus. You lay it all down. The kind of faith like when you go under for surgery, the kind of faith where you're like, Doc, I have no choice here. The kind of faith where you give everything over to God. Where just like me and Pastor Matt say, look, this is our old way of life. We knew how to live that way. But I'm, I'm here to discover and trying to figure out how am I supposed to live this entire new, that saving kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that I'm talking about today, a real kind of faith. And in this day and age, it's real easy to get distracted. It's real easy to get sidetracked. In fact, Pastor Matt told you last week that you could open up your phone, right? How many of you guys did that? You guys do that? You open up your phone settings, you open up battery. The rest of y'all just stuck in your sin, ain't you? You just stuck in your sin. No, I'm kidding. But what he said was that you can open up settings, you can go to battery, and you can see how much time you use on specific apps. 
Can I confess? The Bible isn't the app that I used the most this past week. There was actually an app called The Score. It's a sports app. <laughs> I'm making my public confession that the app that I used the most this past week was a sports app. Because I got to know what's going on between LeBron and Trump. Come on, y'all. Don't fake. Don't fake. The A's are, have the fourth best record in all of baseball. We got to know this stuff. We got to know when is Khalil coming. <laughs> important stuff but it's easy to get distracted it's easy to get sidetracked and we don't even need to look for it it comes to us it comes and sits on our lap and says hey we don't even need to look for it but I'm not talking about the the, the faith where we're kind of like hanging in the balance whether or not you're saved or not you see the, the the reality is we are saved we are our names are secure in heaven however we are still being saved on a daily basis we're being saved from sin. We're being saved from temptation, from trial. We're being saved from things like depression, anxiety, fear. We're being saved on a daily basis from all these things. So we are saved, secured, but yet we are constantly being saved on a daily basis. It's easy for us to get distracted. I'm talking about real faith. In fact, an evangelist, a faith healer, an author, F.F. Bosworth said this. He said, most Christians feed their body bodies three hot meals a day and yet one cold snack a week for their spirit and then they wonder why their faith is so weak you guys get three hot meals a day some of y'all get four or five six right i mean you get more protein i gotta keep it up calories most christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day but one cold snack a week and then they wonder why am i so lord where are you where are you at, Lord? I've been calling you. No, you haven't. <laughs> right here, Lord. I mean, I've been dealing with this for so long. It's because you don't stop and listen. And they wonder why their faith is so weak. In fact, Romans chapter 12 says this, that God has given each of us a measure of faith. God's given each and every one of us who believe in Christ a measure of faith. And once he's given it to us, now it's our job. You see, each of you are responsible for this deposit of faith that God's given you. You're responsible for it. It's your job to cultivate it. Your job to let it grow. Your job to utilize. It's your job. Yours. It's your job. That's why Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 2, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out on a daily basis. Why? Because, man, there are a lot of things coming after it. A lot of things want to destroy it. A lot of things want to distract you. In fact, you have an enemy that is after it. You got to understand, your faith is your most valuable possession. The enemy knows, Satan knows that your most valuable possession. I'm going to shed some light on the enemy's plan today, on his goal, on his mission. And that he has, he has determined that your greatest possession is not your stuff. It's not your house, not your car, not your job, or your your most. That's not your to him. That's not your most valuable possession. To him, your family is not your most valuable possession. But I love my wife. She's so cute. Yes, but he knows that's not your most valuable possession. He knows that even your health and your body is not your most valuable possession. He knows this. Does that remind you of anybody? Somebody by the name of Job. Job lost. Let me read this to you. 7,000 sheep, 
10 kids, seven sons, three daughters, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. He lost his health. He had his friends turn his back on him. His wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die, you fool? Everything was turned against him. But yet, in the end, Satan knew that the very thing that he was after was the very thing that Job never gave up. And that was this man's faith. Even at the end, before God restored double of everything that he had, Job said this. And in Job 42, it said this, I know that you, God, can do all things. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his pain, everybody's dead. But still, God, I know that you can do all the very things Satan was after he didn't get. <laughs> so how many of you guys today can testify and say, you know what? My life's not perfect. Kids are just going crazy. Wife's tripping on me. Husband just knucklehead is all get out. I mean, so many things going wrong. People gossiping at me at work. I mean, all these things. How many of you can say there is so many things going on in life, yet Satan has not taken my faith. Does anybody say that this morning? He hasn't taken it. It's still there. Jesus told Simon Peter in Luke chapter 22, he said this, Simon, Simon, he says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Satan wants to crumble you up, wants to shake you up. And wants to get rid of all the nonsense that he doesn't want. He wants to be able to take just the good stuff, just the stuff that he wants. He wants to sift you. He wants to take that treasure called your faith. But then he goes on and says this, but Peter, Peter, Simon, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That your faith may not fail. You see, the enemy knows, folks, that his time is cut short. He doesn't have eternity. And so he's not trying to mess around, play hacky sack with you. Trying to play video games with you. Hey, what's your name? No, he doesn't. No. He goes straight for the juggler. He's going straight for the juggler. And he knows he has a a short amount of time to get what he wants and what he needs. And then he's out. In fact, back in 2012, my wife and I, we bought our first house. And it was about five or six months later. I'm sitting in my office. And I get a call from my neighbor. And my neighbor says, hey, James, how are you? And I said, it was good until you called. (laughs) Because... You don't ever call me, so what's up? <laughs> and uh, she said, everything's okay, um, but, but your house got broken into. And they caught him. And I said, oh, they did. <laughs> so, I said, so I said, hey, bro, come on, let's go. So me, me, me and uh, Pastor Matt, we jumped in, jumped in the car, and we shot over there to my house, not too far away. Yes, amen, yes. <laughs> and so we, uh, so we got there, we pulled up, and, and, and the police pulled him out of the car. I see him. Oh, I see him. And so he gets out. He gets out and he stands there and the police look at me and say, do you know this man? I say, no. Did you let this man, uh, have you given this man permission to be in your house? No, I have not. Now, I, 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 can, I, I could paint the picture for you that was going on in my mind, but I'd probably get kicked off the stage because certain things I wanted to do. <laughs> because this man was in my house. And so the police, you see, he, he, he thought he had about seven minutes. Literally didn't know he had only five because my neighbor saw him go in and called the police. The police were there right in a minute. And the guy was coming out, and he had my tools in one hand. He had my computer, my computers, laptops in the other hand. 
He had a backpack filled with all this stuff, including my, my son's, like, little uh, piggy bank. Like, Come on, bro. What do you do with that? I go in the house. My TV's ripped off the, the, the wall and put it in stays. He's going to take it. He knew he had just a few minutes to go in and get what he knew he wanted to get. Just a few. And the enemy is the same way. I'm not trying to play games. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get the most valuable possession that you hold. And I'm going to get it as quick as I can and I'm out. And this is the enemy's goal. This is what he wants. And so that's why I'm trying to expose this. So why is my faith so important? Why is my faith so important? Why does it matter so much to the enemy? Well, first off, you know, our faith is the activating agent of everything that comes along with it. You see, our faith enables heaven's reality to become our reality. I mean, our faith activates our salvation. We're saved by grace. It activates our victory. It activates our adoption. That now we're sons and daughters of God. And it activates our acceptance. It activates our salvation, our victory, our adoption, and our acceptance. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that, that without faith, it's impossible to what? Well, you know it. But without faith, you can't even please God. You can't even please him. Don't even try. Our salvation, our victory, our adoption, and our acceptance is all a result of faith. In fact, one person said it this way, that faith is like the string that holds a pearl necklace together. Take away the string and the pearls just unravel. Take away the faith from the believer and the Christian life just unravels. It's that important. Our faith is that important. Pastor Matt last week talked about how faith is a verb. Faith is action. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abram went. By faith, Rahab welcomed in the spies. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Moses didn't want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he, he, he went with the Israelites instead. By faith, you stopped cussing. <laughs> by, by faith, you are now faithful. By faith, you tithe. By faith, you're sitting here. By faith, God doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. And by faith, and by faith, you don't treat your kids as their sins deserve. And I speak that by faith, y'all. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's by faith. It's the activating agent of what allows heaven to dwell on the inside of us and flow through us. Faith is everything to the believer. So then the question then is this, how does the enemy succeed? And this is just how I think. I just, this, these are the questions that just I, that boggle me, that bother me. How does he succeed then? How does he win? How does he get it? How does he kill, steal, and destroy my faith? How does he even do it? You know, again, this is how I think. We were in San Francisco a few months back, and we jumped on that train, you know, everywhere you go, right? That train that just, that, that just takes you and you throw it. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, how is this dude breaking this thing? <laughs> we're going down this steep hill, and he's breaking with this one stick. I'm scared for my life. And I'm just thinking, how... Is this happening? You know, I'm not even enjoying the ride. I'm just thinking, I'm just watching this guy switch gears. That's just how I think. And so I started to ask myself, God, how does the enemy succeed in being victorious? 
over my life and taking away my faith. Now, if you're taking notes, listen, this is going to be a little bit confusing. I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. God just kind of just gave me some revelatory stuff that I want to share with you. The tools that the enemy uses to attack our faith, the tools the enemy uses to attack our faith, they're symptoms rather than the cause. What? (laughs) The tools that the enemy uses to attack our faith are symptoms rather than the cause of our lack of faith. So doubt, fear, anxiety, being worrisome, being angry, prideful, unwilling to forgive, when your life is chaotic and stressful, all these things, listen, all these things, doubt, fear, all of them, anxiety, they're all symptoms. They're not the cause. Because I began to think, Lord, is it, what, what does the enemy use? Does he use doubt? Does he use, what, what does he use to take away my faith? And God said, listen, those are the symptoms that he uses. They're not the cause. When you are hungry, it's a result of you not eating. You feeling hungry is a result of you not eating. It's not the cause for you not to eat. Does that make sense? Not at all. So it's like this. It's like, it's like you saying this. Pastor, I'm so hungry. That's why I didn't eat today. So what happens when, when doubt and fear and anxiety comes in and we feel this, it's a result of our weakened faith as a result of those things being used to take away our faith. Let me, let me share some truths with you. Let me share three truths with you. Truth number one, we belong to God. God is sovereign. God is great. God is awesome. He's creator of all things. And we belong to him, right? So nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can snatch us out of his grasp, right? Nothing. God, we belong to God who is supreme. Next, number true. Number two. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. Is that true? You're filled with his Holy Spirit. That's true. And the Bible says, you know, when, 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 when the Pharisee teachers of the law were saying, you know, Jesus, you cast out demons by, by Beelzebub. And Jesus said, no, because a kingdom divided against itself, what? Can't stand. And so he goes on to say, the strong man on the inside of you must be tied up first in order for somebody to come and break in and steal your possessions. And the context is this, that the Holy Spirit is a strong man from God. There's nobody stronger than him. And so if you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, you cannot be possessed by a demonic spirit. Unless you allow him to be tied, you tie him up and invite a demonic spirit. And you are filled with this Holy Spirit. He's a strong man. And, and, and number three, greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. So if those three truths are true, if God is great and we belong to him, if we're filled with this Holy Spirit, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, then listen, then nothing and no one can come and take your faith. Listen, you got to hear me. Nothing, if these are true, then nothing and no one can come and take your faith. You and we choose to relinquish it. And when we choose to relinquish our faith and are walking in a weakened faith or start to walk in the flesh, we relinquish our faith. And then the enemy says, got her. Now here comes the fear. Now here comes the doubt. Now here comes the anxiety. And what Satan wants to do is to have you focus on the symptoms and not the reality that it's your weakened faith. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, go ahead and, and 
Go ahead and turn there real quick. I got it right here on the screen. 1 Peter 5, 8, you guys know this passage, it's not rocket science. Listen, be alert, be of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for somebody to devour. You know what he eats for breakfast? Your faith. Do you know who he's going after? He's not trying to go after the male that's, that's covered by everybody. You ever see lions hunt? You should look at it, it's pretty cool. But lions, they, 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 they know how to, they, they set you up. They, they, they set up their prey. To where one will come along this side, there's like one or two waiting over there. Animals right here will go over here and, and fake it and scare it to run this way. Little do you know, rah, they're done. But who are they going after? They're going after the one that's separated themselves from the crowd. The one that's hurting and limping. The one that's angry with the crowd because you guys are talking about me and so I'm going to leave you. And so now I'm going to come over here and be by my lonesome. That's one. And so the enemy says, oh, you're afraid. Oh, you're anxious. You're doubting? Here we go. Because what he wants to do is play on those symptoms. And, and so if you're, if you're anything like me, I, I'm borderline, I'm borderline, uh, what's the word? Um, dang it. Shoot, sorry. Uh, OCD. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm borderline OCD. How many of you guys are OCD in here? Borderline a little bit? Yes. Amen. I got family here. Okay, so. Borderline OCD. So, so kind of what happens to me sometimes is you start to feel this way, right? Just like, ah, going through your day. But if I just clean my car, I'll feel better. The floor needs to be mopped. If I just mop the floor, I'll feel better. Right? You just go do this or that. And what am I doing? I'm trying to treat the symptom, not the actual problem. As long as the enemy can keep me focused on trying to address the symptom, oh, you're anxious, oh, 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 oh you're, you're downcast, just go see a psychiatrist, he'll give you some meds. Oh, oh, you're lonely, you're lonely, just go hook up with somebody. You see, we, we try to treat the symptom. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age. You know what Satan wants you to do? He wants you to hate them people. He wants you to get mad at people. She did this. He did that. I can't believe. I can't believe that my kids are that ungrateful. I mean, do you not know what I do for you? Honey, do you not know what I went through slaving for this to give to you? You're just so unappreciative. So I'm mad at you. This person cuts me off. This person does, does this crazy thing on the street and, and you want to show them a finger or you want to say something. Because you want to be mad at that person because I can't believe you did that. But behind the scenes, Satan's saying, as long as you focus on that person, I got you. I got you. We're focusing on the symptom, not the real problem. Because our battle is against spiritual things, high places. And so the enemy wants you to focus, again, on the symptoms rather than what's actually going on in your life. So now you go to the doctor you're like, Doc, after two weeks of not eating, Doc, I have a headache, <laughs> tired all the time, you know, I'm, I'm short with my wife and my kids, <laughs> I don't want to get up out of bed, I can't work out, I can't do none of that stuff, God, I mean, God, doctor, and he says, well, well what's changed? Well, I haven't eaten in two or three weeks. Really? Go eat something, and then he'll probably give you meds because you're crazy, <laughs> So faith is our activating agent. It's our activating agent. 
to enable all these things to come and to, and to manifest in our life. If you're starving it, if you're grieving the Holy Spirit, if you're snuffing out the Holy Spirit, you're going to start to walk in the flesh. And that's when things such as self-reliance comes in. You start to rely on self. You start to be extra comfortable. Right, again, faith is what is active. You're moving. Find somebody that's just comfortable. I'm good in my, I'm good in my seat, Pastor. I don't need to go to growth track. I'm growing right here in my chair. <laughs> I'm good. I'm comfortable. In fact, if your life is too comfortable, are you in the trenches at all? Are you in the game at all? It's real comfortable on the bench. Are you in the game at all? But sometimes we just want to be comfortable. It's easy. Ah, it's easy. Amen. So, that wasn't part of my notes. It's free. <laughs> the real question then is this, is what stifles our faith? What is it then that crushes our faith? First off, it's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowledge. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, that God has given us everything. Listen. 2 Peter 1, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. You don't need him, ma'am. You don't. You really, he's a knucklehead anyways. You don't need her. You don't need that extra paycheck. You don't need, God has given you and supplied you with everything you need to live a godly life. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You, you got to be able to know what you know. Because again, again, the enemy wants to go ahead and pick you off. So there's all these different, there's all these, all these different cults and all these different belief systems. If I was Satan, I would do the same thing. Let me just add a little bit of truth with absolute lie. But if you don't know what you know, you're going to get sidetracked. A few weeks ago, this person came up to me. And I've seen this person around, around church, our, our church. Let me see if they're here. No, I'm kidding. Um, I've seen this person around, around, around our church and, 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 and one... <laughs> Hey, what, uh, sorry, I just saw somebody I shared the story with. If you want to hear the whole story, I'll tell you. I would love to. But anyway, I'm going to share you just a part. But this person um, uh, comes up to me, and, and long story short, they, they start to speak for Jesus. And they're talking to me saying, this is Jesus speaking. And in so many words, church, tells me that I'm not even saved. And I'm like, Jesus. I've been a pastor for like 12 years. You need to repent of your sin and give your whole life to God. Because the Bible says that many will come to him on that day and, and say, Lord, Lord, and, he would, and you're one of them. And I'm like, Lord. But had I not known what I know, I don't know how many other people that they've told that to. That if they told that to the right person, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, where am I? I'm a mess. But I had to know what I know. And I said, no, I've confessed Jesus as my Lord. He is my Lord. The Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of me. He has called me, saved me. I'm set free, brand new. I mean, but if I didn't know that. See, lack of knowledge will stifle your faith. Number two is sin and disobedience. Listen, if you do what you ought not to do, that's also sin. So if you do what you shouldn't do, that's sin. But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, that's also sin. And walking in disobedience. And there's a wide array of things that, 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 that are included in our walk of faith and our walk of obedience. 
doing what you ought to do and not doing what you ought not to do. And these things lead to all the symptoms. So it's our job to develop our spiritual life. It's your job, folks. It's yours. It's not Pastor, I mean, Pastor Matt has a, has a role to play in the church here, but it's your job to develop your faith. Now, how do you do that? Okay, well, look at your physical life. There are three main things for you to be healthy for the most part physically, right? You got to eat right. Don't do McDonald's and all that stuff. Right? You got to eat healthy. You got to do right. You got to eat right. You got to rest. And you got to exercise somewhat, right? You got to eat right. You have to rest and you have to exercise. So faith speaking, you have to feed your spirit man. You have to feed him. You got to. Got to feed your spirit man. Rest, meaning this, you rest in the faith and in the trust, man, that God, even though my life is chaotic right now, God, I accept your rest and your peace. But then also, you have to exercise your faith. Because if, you don't, if you're not exercising your faith and you're just sitting there getting filled with all this stuff, sitting there like, oh, I'm just so spiritually, like, ready to do what? You're sitting there doing nothing. I'm ready. You got you to exercise, right? In fact, this is a side note, but did you know that fat, right, on our body is really just stored energy? Did you know that? No, it is. Truth. Google it. <laughs> it's stored energy. That's why, this, that, that, that's why intermediate fasting and all these things are important. Why? Because it's just sitting there waiting to be used. I got some. Just like, use me. But then I start eating stuff. And then it starts, it starts breaking down the stuff that you eat while you got all this stored. And so spiritually speaking, if you ain't doing nothing, you're just storing up all this stuff. And I'm ready. Come on. Go on a growth track. <laughs> Get on the dream team. <laughs> Pastor Pitt. P-Matt's like, preach it. Yes. <laughs> you see, church, listen, faith just doesn't make sense. Faith absolutely doesn't make sense. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Try to take that to court. Your Honor, the evidence I have is of things not seen. Take him out of here. <laughs> You're done. It, it doesn't make sense. And that's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like the wind. It goes to and for you don't know where it's going, when it's going. It doesn't make sense. Abram, God called Abram out of, his, out of his homeland and said, just go. Go where? Just go. With what? Just go. With who? Just go. What's my direct? Just go. <laughs> we don't have the answers to all that. Just go. Just go. There's a story that you may have heard. I'm not sure if Pastor Matt shared this story, but true story of a pastor, a pastor that one day went to the restroom. And as he was in the restroom, he was, you know, using the, we got to, right, he was using the urinal. Can I say that in church? All right. There's no small, there is one small kid, but Joe, she's too small to understand. So, using the restroom, using the urinal, and then another gentleman comes in and starts using the restroom next to him. And God tells this pastor, hey, tell this man that you don't know, that I love him and you love him too. <laughs> Pastor's like, um, God, 
that is not acceptable <laughs> on earth. You don't talk to another man when they're using the restroom, especially that you don't know. That's, that's, that's against the rules. <laughs> you don't do that. God says, tell this man you love him, and I love him too. God, Satan, I rebuke. Right, he starts rebuking Satan. <laughs> tell this man you love him, and I love him too. No, God. I can't do it right now. So now, now they're washing their hands, right? They're being sanitary. And tell this man you love him, and I love him too. And God, let me just, I'll just tell him when we get out, Lord. It's just too awkward. Let me just wait till I go out. So the pastor walks out of the bathroom, and then bam, goes back in. The dude shot himself in his head. Now, it's a true story that this pastor had to get up in front of his church. And, and because, listen, faith, you guys, doesn't make sense. It's by faith that you listen to those inklings. In your ears, by faith that you see this, by faith that when you leave and you go home, you stop arguing, you stop fighting, you stop the discourse. By faith you do all that. It doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't write it down and say this is what, it doesn't make sense. That's why it's faith. You walk by faith and not by sight. It's not going to be laid out for you. Sometimes you got to tell that man like Pastor Matt did to his brother. He told me in the bathroom earlier today, he looked over his bro and said, hey, I love you and God loves you too. And Mark, being the amazing brother he is, he probably just said, I love you too, bro. But listen, faith sometimes just doesn't make sense. Johnny Erickson Tata, many of you guys probably know have heard of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a paraplegic, cannot walk all her life. And one time, this was years ago, it stuck with me forever. She said that, you know, she's paraplegic, she's prayed all her life, God, allow me to walk. I want to walk. I want to be mobile. And she said, great faith, great faith isn't that we believe God, we pray, and we contend, and then God answers our prayer in the fashion that we ask him. She said that's not necessarily great faith. Great faith is when you pray and you ask God and you intercede and you fight. He still doesn't answer the way you want, and yet you still believe. She said that is great faith. Some of you are contending and praying for a family member, for yourself, for your, for your circumstance, your situation. You're praying, you're praying, and, you're, and you might be telling yourself, I don't have enough faith. Listen, that's not true. I'm not, I'm not, we're not faith preachers. It's not about you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. You know what that means? Now, now, now you're the healer, not even God. If you don't have enough faith, if you, don't, you need to heal your, then it becomes us doing it, right? Now it's us. So as long as your faith is whole, that's why Jesus said the size of a mustard seed is super. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be whole and sincere, wholehearted, absolutely. But just because you don't get what you're asking for and you still believe that, that is great. That is great faith. Amen. And I'm going to end with this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, when Paul was, well, actually that was my note. Sorry, see. But anyway, when Paul was reaching the end of his life, he told Timothy this. He said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and he said, if all that I've been through, he said, I've kept the faith. The very things Satan wants to take from us and hinder us, he said, I've kept it. Amen. So I'm going to remind you that we just, I just kind of shed some light. The enemy's goal, the enemy's plan, what he wants from you. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your faith. But listen. The things that you're dealing with oftentimes are the symptoms of your weakened faith. So gird up. Get on your knees. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And let God empower you that you might be able to end your life like this.
and say, man, I've kept the faith. Amen.